0: be at work in us this morning, that your Holy Spirit be at work in me as I preach, as I am not able on my own for sure. But Lord, that you would say what you had once said and that you would have heard what you want heard. Lord, I pray that the hearts of the people in this building would be, be moved by your Holy Spirit to, to remember Christ, to know Christ, to know the great love that you have for us through Jesus and that that would change us, that that would uh, send us into the mess of each other's lives and that it would send us into the mess of a world that we live in with the good news. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> this morning we're in uh, Acts chapter 17. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I just think it's a really neat story about what happens here with Paul. So I'm just going to start by reading, reading this passage. Acts, Acts 17, verse 16 through 34, and you can join me there. <coughs> he seems to be a preacher of, a for, of foreign divinities. And because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection, they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said... not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to, be, to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteous, righteousness by a man whom he was, has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom were Dionysus, uh, the Areopagite, and the woman named Damaris, and others with them. So here's the, the, the wrap-up of the story, right? Paul's waiting in Athens for some other people to join him. And while he's there, uh, he goes into the marketplace every day. He, he's disturbed by all the idols, the man-made idols and stuff of the city, and knows that they're missing God completely. And so it's, it's very disturbing to him. While he's waiting, he starts going to the marketplace. He he's preaches in the synagogues. And the marketplace is not like the grocery store, like the Winn-Dixie marketplace. The marketplace is kind of like the hub of the city. This is where everything's going on. So he goes there, and he just starts talking with people and like, kind of diving in with people. It says that he was dialoguing with the philosophers. And that's not just like in passing, having a talk with some philosophers, dialoguing with the philosophers, that's like going into it, you know, like kind of beginning to reason with them about Jesus and telling them about Christ. He gets invited to the Areopagus, or you may have heard of they call it they Mars Hill, uh, because they all love talking about new things and they wanted to hear this new stuff that he was talking about, and so he gets invited in, and that gives him permission to speak. So Paul respectfully begins uh, to, to speak to them and he begins to pick the broken things out from their own culture and, and starts to redeem them with the gospel. So he, he begins by using the idol that he saw on his way in. I see you're very religious. You even have an idol to an unknown God. You obviously want to worship whoever the right God is. You don't even know if there's another God so you made an idol just in case you're missing one. Let me tell you about the one you're missing. He's the one true God. So he picks that, that broken piece of their culture, the broken piece of, uh, that, that's right there in front of them and, and takes it and redeems it to, to point to Jesus. He plucks pieces from their own poets that refer to Zeus as the father of all and the, the creator of all things. And uh, he, he quotes it and, he, and then points it and says, it's not Zeus, it's God, we're all his offspring. It's, uh, it's Jesus. So he takes that piece from them. It's kind of like he's saying, hey, you guys are almost there, you're, all, you're, you're kind of on to something, I'd really love to clarify some things for you and tell you that, things, that there's a God who's much bigger and much better than you ever imagined, even though you're pretty close. It's, it's more than you could have ever thought of. So Christians have done this forever. You know, they, they take things from the culture, redeem them, uh, to point to Jesus. Uh, one of the things is the, the saying, Jesus is Lord. You know, we, the early Christians hij- hijacked that from, Caesar is Lord. To say, it's not Caesar's Lord over this earthly kingdom. Jesus is the true and better Savior, the true and better Lord, who's over a true and better kingdom that you can be a part of. Hijack that, uh, and, 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 and we're able to proclaim Jesus is Lord. Christmas is coming up. I'm not doing a Christmas talk this year. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm not introducing Christmas to you. But <clears throat> Christmas is coming up, and this is a little bit touchy in my family because there's people in my family who won't celebrate Christmas, because of its pagan roots. Maybe you know some of that. But what I love about that is that, yeah, there's some, some pagan stuff there. We're not celebrating what the pagans celebrated, right? Christians redeemed what was already going on in the culture and let it point to Jesus. That's awesome. That's what we ought to be doing. And then, I, and I don't know, maybe we even need to take it back in the Western culture. I'm not sure that Christmas is what they turned it into, right? Now it's, in our culture, I I don't even know what it is, commercialism, whatever, buy, 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 trample people to death in Walmart. I, I don't know what Christmas is anymore, really, but we probably have a need to engage what Christmas is in our culture and redeem it and take it back and point to Jesus, to point a broken world around us to Jesus. So the question I'm asking this morning, based because of the story and how Paul engaged the culture and was able to begin to take things from them and redeem it uh, to, to point to the gospel, I'm asking, how do we do what Paul did in Acts 17? How do we engage uh, the dominant culture where they, you know, how do, how do we engage them and, and, and engage them in fe- effectively with the gospel? Well, I'm going to suggest that to find the gospel in everything, to take part in reconciling all things back to the originator of everything, Jesus, we have to know the gospel. It has to be at work within us so that we have eyes to see it all around us. That's first and foremost. Like it's not about like It's not about like go do this thing to engage the culture. It's about, do you know the gospel? And do you know the gospel not like just in word, like I could kind of say, what it is because I've, I've read the thing? Do you know it because it's at work within you and because the gospel's changing you? Is it giving you eyes to see things through the eyes of Jesus? Are you beginning to see the culture and, and the things around you through the eyes of Jesus and hurt for the broken and see the broken things that, that ought to reflect the gospel but people don't see it? I think it's interesting that Paul goes to this whole spill. And I mean, I don't know everything he said. I, I doubt it's all written here. But, but what is written here, Paul goes into this whole thing and he doesn't ever even open up the Bible. He doesn't even go into any scriptures. As a matter of fact, he just takes their idol, their idol to an unknown God. He takes poets from their culture and he makes it point to the gospel. But everything is saturated in the gospel. And everything he says is biblical. And that doesn't happen unless you know the gospel. it doesn't happen unless you know it inside out because it's working in you inside out. Uh, unless it's constantly working in you and changing you and giving you eyes to see the way Jesus sees, then you don't get to... You can't do what Paul did. right? You can't not... You can't just pick things out and, uh, and, and shed the light of the gospel on them unless it's constantly working in you. So, as we ask the question of how we do what Paul did, there's a couple things we have to consider. One is... How well do we know the gospel? And number two is, how does the gospel stay at work within us so that we continue to have eyes to see the way Jesus sees? And the first one is pretty simple, I think. How well do we know the gospel? Well, do you know the gospel? Do you know the good news of Jesus? Do you, can, can you articulate it? Can you talk about who God is? What he's done? How it's changed you? And how life is different because of that? How you live life differently because of that. Is Is that something that you know? Is that something that you can easily talk about? And the second question of how the gospel stays at work within us, well, this we can be sure of, I think. The gospel stays at work within us uh, when we get involved with each other, right? Like, so, the gospel's at work within us uh, when we get in each other, when we Surrender ourselves to get involved in each other's messy lives when we get involved with each other's business. When we open ourselves to let people get into the mess of our lives and get in our business. That's a scary thing. And I don't think that we like to go there sometimes. We don't really... It's fine, you can tell me that I should read the Bible, you can tell me that I pray, those types of things. But, uh, you know, we've talked about this in our MC lately, our missional community lately. Um, Are you allowed to talk to me about how the gospel's influencing my parenting, or are you allowed to talk to me about how the gospel's influencing um, my finances or my marriage and how I 'm a husband or any of those things? That can be a touchy subject. The gospel stays at work within us though, when we 're able to listen and get into each other's lives like that, listen to where the gospel's redeeming people, where the gospel needs to be spoken into people 's lives to help redeem them, and then we do it, and we allow people to do that. so Paul just didn 't go around. I guess the point is this. That happens when we're all together. Paul didn't just go around like, being awesome all by himself and planting churches everywhere and like, redeeming culture everywhere all by himself. He didn't like be like, all right, I, I met Jesus, and now I'm, I'm just going to go hit the road and I'm going to do all these things by himself. No, I mean, Paul was deeply rooted in relationships with other Christians. All his letters are evidence of that, right? These are, evidence, these are letters to people that he deeply cares about and people who deeply care about him. So they pointed him to the gospel, and he pointed them to the gospel. Uh, he even addresses this very directly, right? In, in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 12, and in Ephesians 4, where he starts talking about, hey, we're all one body. For me, that's always been like an image of like the Power Rangers thing, where we all like come together, and like we're like a big... That's probably really messed up. I don't know. But we're like a big transformer thing. Anyways... So we're like one body, we all have this, this part to play to make one big body, and, and he addresses that in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4, that we're all one body, and, um, and it's all about how we get to keep the gospel at work in each other, how we practice this together, and that in so doing, we actually are equipping each other for the work of ministry. So the gospel calls us together to keep the gospel at work within each other, so that we can share the gospel with others. Um, As one body, as brothers and sisters, uh, in Jesus, I think it's important that we remember as a church that we are a family, that that's actually how this is meant to look, that we're a family. Um, And if we want to engage the culture around us to lead people to Jesus, that lead people to Jesus, we're going to have to be engaged in, in each other's lives like we're family, all right? We're going to have to engage with each other intentionally to practice hearing the gospel and sharing the gospel with each other. And as we begin to identify how the gospel and the good news of the person and work of Jesus has redeemed each of our stories, um, and where the gospel needs to be spoken into each other's stories, we'll be more equipped to do the same out among the culture. We need practice. That's my point. If we want to go out like Paul and engage the culture in the marketplace, You've got to be ready to speak the gospel in all things. You've got to know what the gospel is. It's got to be at work within you so that you can see it everywhere around you. And we've got to practice. And that's why we have each other to do that. We have each other to equip one another to go do this um, and to do it together. And then in so doing, we'll be able to pick up the broken pieces of truth that are just scattered among the culture and use them to point to the good news of Jesus Christ. So if we aren't able to share stories and listen and serve and speak the gospel into each other's lives, then we aren't much of a family to invite others into, I would say. I mean, family stuff is messy, you know? And people don't like Well, I won't go there. So family stuff is messy. Let's just keep it at that. What would make us think that if we that we could share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus if we're not gonna if we can't share the gospel with each other? You know? I mean we kind of I feel like we always think and the culture is just so awful, and if they just knew Jesus, then it would be better. And that's absolutely true. But if, like, I need to speak it into this one area, and they need to get it, right? But those are hard areas to speak into. And if you don't have permission to speak into somebody's life because you've built a relationship with them, then that's going to be hard to do. And if we're not doing it with the people we ought to have relationship with, family-type relationship with, I don't know what would give us the the, the the perception that we would be able to do something out there that we can't do in the church. If we want to be a church on mission for making disciples, which I would say any church concerned with the Great Commission has to be, then we are going to have to get intentional. And this isn't going to happen like organically. I'm sorry I use the word organic. Uh, it's not going to just happen organically like in the sense that, you know, that we don't have to do anything and that we can just kind of float along and let things happen. No, we're called to mission. Jesus calls us to something. He calls us together. He calls us to mission. He calls us to be Him. He calls us to be one body that's actually displaying Christ to the place that we live. The church is Jesus to the people to the to, the, to those around us. He calls us to mission. He calls us. I'll take it from a series not too long ago. He calls us to get on the bus and to be obedient to go and make disciples. To engage our culture effectively with the gospel, this is kind of one of the answers to the question, right? To engage our culture effectively with the gospel, the gospel must be at work within us and among us. It's got to be redeeming our stories and giving, and, and giving us eyes to see how the gospel might redeem the story of our culture. Does that make sense? If we're going to engage the culture and help change things, if we're going to help redeem the, the world around us, the broken, messed up world around us, then it's got to be redeeming my story and it's got to be redeeming your story and I've got to be a part of redeeming your story and you've got to be a part of redeeming my story. We've got to know the gospel and be speaking it into each other's lives constantly. We have to be practicing like that or else we'll never be able to go out and do it anywhere else. To engage our culture effectively with the gospel, the gospel must be at work within us and among us, redeeming our stories and giving us eyes to see how the gospel can redeem the story of our culture we got to get uncomfortable and maybe a little bit messy, first with each other and then with others. I think I'm keeping it pretty short this week, so that's good. The call to action this week and over the next few months is to engage with your missional community. If you're not in a missional community, get in a missional community. Plug in. There's probably one sort of near you. There's like five... Around the area, and we would love to replicate. Okay, so just flood the MCs so that we have to make more. Uh, But get plugged into a missional community, and if you're in one, plug in deeper. Make that commitment to share stories with one another. I know a couple of MCs have already started this, and it's been really good. We did some of this this week, and it was good. Apparently, you're supposed to keep your stories to 10 minutes when you're just sharing in a group setting. I I may have gone like an hour, but uh, whatever. Listen. Share each other, share stories with each other. Maybe bring some snacks because people open up better over snacks. Uh, practice listening to each other's story. That's important. Don't just have people talking, and you don't really listen. But listen to them and listen for how the gospel has redeemed them. Listen for their testimony and where Jesus has stepped in, where where the gospels made them new, and listen for areas that maybe the gospel still needs to be spoken to their story. All right? Let's practice doing that, and then practice actually speaking the gospel to each other. Practice receiving it as others speak into your life. I think that's a hard one, right? Like if I'm sharing my story and then somebody's like, it sounds like you have daddy issues. Uh, you know, I want to talk about how the gospel can is going to affect your parenting because of that and your, and your husbandry because of that. Is that a word? I don't know. Uh, then that can be kind of difficult to take. But we need to practice receiving it from each other. Doing these things will be good practice to start talking about the good news of Jesus openly and regularly and saturating our minds with it, saturating our hearts with it. It'll keep us, it'll keep the gospel working within us. And then we need to make an effort, an uncomfortable effort probably, to eat with, serve with, or serve, and listen to the stories of those outside of the family. Right? Outside, those who do not know Jesus. Those who do not know their father. We have to make an effort to spend time with them and to listen to them. And it's not just like, okay, I spent time with my church family. Now I can like, now I'm going to go reach somebody. And you have somebody over, you know, for lasagna and be like, all right, I hope you like this lasagna. Listen, you need to know Jesus. And then you have to like go into the thing. Listen to people, right? We have to listen to people. It's not just, we don't want to just go out here and just yell at everybody either. We have to build some relationships and listen to people. I'm not saying there's never a time just to start talking about Jesus. That's not my point. But give people a chance to talk. Give people a chance to share. And that will give you permission to speak. Paul went into the marketplace and he started engaging the people in the city and he built some relationships. He got into the dialogues. He got into the discussion. And then he was invited to Areopagus. It's important, I think, that we're invited. That's why I say don't just go out With your strategy and like, you know, throwing things in people's face, go out like Jesus and build relationships and go and get invited. When you're invited, you have permission to speak. An invitation to speak means there are probably some open ears. I think we have a tendency in church world, can I just call it that? We have a tendency in the church to decide what everybody around us needs and then we just go and provide it for them, Right? To say we've identified this group of people, they probably they need Jesus. We they need this. We've decided that this is what they need, and so we'll plan this thing and we'll provide that, and then obviously it'll work. We have a tendency to do that, and I get the tendency because we just want to help. It's coming from a good place, but uh, but what would it look like if we actually sat back and listened to the actual needs of the community? If we actually listened to those who do not know Jesus first, I'm just going to share about this particular building, and about Redemption Church. Just one way this is kind of happening. Um, As we began to look about moving back down here and getting a permanent space, we kind of just started listening a little bit to the community around us. And, you know, I heard several people say, like, that they didn't want a church here. You know? I mean, to me, it was like, hey, there's a a building with nothing going on that sounds like a great thing we should just move in there and then at least something will go we can kind of renovate it it'll be nice and that'll help downtown but i heard you know the store owners and uh some some of those with influence downtown saying we don't want a church here you know why because uh we'd rather have like a retail shop in here and like those things back there can be offices and can be other retail or whatever because that would cause foot traffic and foot traffic will help the other retail stores down here and the restaurants down here get, get known, right? They wanted business. They are they have businesses, and they want business to come. So sounded like a church opening up on Sundays wasn't going to do them a lot of good the other six days of the week. And so we started talking. You know, we had already kind of been talking about it, but we listened to what they said, and then we started planning events. We started renting out the space. Uh, Sarah planned that hand, Augusta Handmade Fair um, and we've just been having lots of different, lots of things are kind of lining up, and there's been a lot of stuff going on here. Well, the other day, I got stopped by somebody that I know wasn't excited about us coming down to, into this space, and who has a lot of influence. And they said, hey, I just want to tell you that we're just so grateful that you guys are here. Like your church, th- their actual words were your church is awesome. We love what you're doing downtown. We think that it's been a real blessing to downtown, that's the words they used, and that uh, we think it's a really good addition to the neighborhood. And then, invited us to uh, to attend the next downtown advisory board meeting and to participate in the Christmas Light Up Spectacular as a church, to go down there and set up a booth and do something, which by the way, I have no idea what we should do, so if you have an idea, <laughs> you, come, you come talk to me. But, yeah, right? So, we listened. And I'm not saying we've done everything right, but we're just listening and trying to do something and... Cause some foot traffic, and people are liking it. and People are enjoying, you know, they, this is they they like it. It's it's working. This is we're trying to meet a need that they want that they said they needed. So as a church, that's one way that's happening. We've, we're now being invited into a more into a sphere where we have a little more influence, and we might have permission to speak a little bit more in our city. That's pretty cool. That's good news. So as the gospel works within our church, uh, we'll be able to proclaim the good news. To those in our city. As a church body, we can engage the, together in our city. We, we can use our building. We can take part in city events. Some of you guys are talking about how to even do more with that. That's awesome. And we can serve in positions of influence. Maybe you can get on a board or, or whatever and, and start influencing our city and start getting in the discussion and start getting in the dialogue and uh, be able to bring the good news. We can like. If the gospel's changing this church, if the gospel's changing us, and if the gospel's at work within us, then we'll be able to walk out the doors of the church with eyes that see like Jesus, and we'll be able to pick the things out around the city that need to be redeemed, and that we can call back to the good news of Jesus. Our missional communities can engage in our city's neighborhoods, our families can engage in families. And as we all go throughout our days, we often speak of sending everybody off like into the workplaces and neighborhoods to engage the culture there where you are. I want us to do like what Paul did, but I want us to understand that we will only be able to do that correctly as we know the gospel and have it working within us. And I I wanted to share this quote with you from Tim Keller who I think really speaks into like how we go, with what manner we go. He says, we are neither to simply preach at people nor are we to hide our faith, keeping it private and safe from contradiction. Rather, we are, as believers, to both listen and also challenge the dominant culture ideas, respectfully yet pointedly in both our speech and example. So we don't engage the culture around us with bullhorns and in the median with bullhorns during city events or by leaving fake $100 tip tracks you know, and making people really angry. We don't engage the culture by telling Starbucks employees that our name is Merry Christmas. Uh, We probably aren't going to engage the culture by rants on Facebook. We engage culture, and we effectively change culture by picking up the reflections of the gospel in our broken world and respectfully and pointedly sharing the light of Jesus into the darkness. Uh, So to engage our culture effectively with the gospel like Paul did in Athens. The gospel must be at work within us and among us, redeeming our stories and giving us eyes to see how the gospel can redeem the story of our culture. Well, this morning as we close, we're going to have a time of response. The band will come and they'll lead us in some songs so that we can praise God, that we can worship God, that you can sit and reflect, or you can stand and sing and, and worship uh, we'll have, we have a giving basket in the back. This is a time where you can give. This is one way in which we demonstrate the gospel at work in our life and the solidarity on mission. Um, we encourage cheerful giving from our members as a celebration of who God is, um, how we trust Him, and how we are on board with Him and with each other to take the good news to the city and beyond. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And what you'll do is you'll come down this middle aisle today because we have a middle aisle and you'll come down the middle aisle, you go whichever way. You'll take the bread and you'll dip it in the wine or the juice. Uh, this is a way that we hear and remember together that Jesus is who he said he is and has done what he promised. Through his life, death, and resurrection, he made a way for us to be in right relationship with our Father. As we come, we proclaim the gospel to one another. This is a practice for us where we begin to, to speak the gospel into one another's lives even through this action. As we come, we proclaim the gospel to one another. If you are a believer, uh, we encourage you to come and to take the bread and dip it in the wine and juice and remember Christ, whether you remember here or not, if you believe, we invite you to come. Uh, If you are holding on to some sin, some guilt, some shame, some quarrel, I would challenge you to not come, but to deal with that, to lay that at the feet of Jesus and remember that he is who he said he is and he's done what he said he would do and you can trust him and you can lay that burden on him. If you're, holding, uh, if you're not a believer, I just invite you to hear what we're saying through this action. That Jesus is Lord. That he's a savior and that he loves you. He really does. It's a real story. This really happened. And it's changing our lives. And we want it to change yours. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you for this time this morning. And... Uh, I ask that your Holy Spirit be working in us, that we would have eyes to see what Jesus has done for us and how much Jesus loves us, each one. I pray, Lord, that you would make the gospel real for us, that you would uh, have it working in us and changing us. Lord, I pray that you would give us the intentionality to go into each other's messy lives and listen and share the gospel with one another. I pray that you would bind us together, God that you would send us out to proclaim Jesus to a, a lost and dying world. And Father, we remember again this morning those so many that are hurting around the world this week, as so many tragedies have happened. Father, I pray that you send comfort. Father, I pray that you make your church the helpers, that you make the church rise up and proclaim Jesus even through this. That your name would be glorified. The people will come to know you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.